Hi, my name is Neilan Choksi, and I'm thrilled to death to be presenting today at the DevOps Summit Canada 2021. Uh, I'm the president and CEO at Tastop Technologies. Tastop is a Vancouver-based um, company trying to change and improve the way software is delivered. Um, in this day and age, how you deliver software determines your success as a company. Um, and we are so excited about the concepts that folks are starting to adopt around value stream management, DevOps, Agile, and are thrilled to death uh, to have this opportunity to speak at a conference targeted at Canada. Um, so thrilled to be here. Um, my role at Tastop is the president. I represent us on the as a founding member of the Value Stream Management Consortium. I'm a DevOps Institute ambassador and also on the Forbes Technology Council. I'm going to talk to you today about measuring the flow of business value in software, other words, value stream management. This talk is going to give you some insight on how to identify, measure, and improve the flow of value in software delivery. Lots of lots of credit to a lot of folks around me. This is not just me speaking, but this is uh, the practical lessons I've learned from our teams here at Tastop, as well as experts like Carmen Diardo, Dominica DeGrandis, Dr. Mick Kirsten, and my colleague Brian Ashcraft, who I have debt of gratitude for helping me with this presentation. So I think this is a perfect place to smart. John Smart a few years ago presented this image at DevOps Enterprise Summit. And I felt it was a perfect lead-in for this talk. We've all implemented Agile in our teams. We've automated our release processes. But if our PMO, our budgeting exercises, or our approval exercises take months, years, quarters, does it really matter that we're Agile? Does it really matter that we can deploy software 57 times a day? So we need something more than DevOps and Agile to ensure that customers get what they are looking for in a timely manner. And value stream management is rapidly emerging as that thing that augments what you've done with Agile and what you're doing with automating CI/CD to really drive customer value. So value stream management is the, emerging, is the latest emerging transformational discipline that is helping organizations get better at managing their software delivery. Value stream management is a management technique or practice that focuses on increasing the flow of business value from customer request to customer delivery. Its systematic approach to measuring and improving flow helps organization shorten time to market, increase throughput, improve product quality, and optimize for business outcomes. So if you take nothing away else away from my presentation today, I hope you take these bullets around value stream management. The key points are that the customer is at the center. This is about business value, not technological value. This is end-to-end -end customer request, customer delivery. It's all about data-driven continuous improvement. It's about making work visible and it helps IT to partner with the business. Unfortunately, it has the same three-letter acronym as value stream mapping. It is not value stream mapping. A lot of my thoughts come from Dr. Mick Kirsten's book, Project to Product. Um, so if you want to learn more about value stream mapping, that's a great place to start. So when we start thinking about value, 
um, what you have to realize is that it doesn't correlate very neatly to one specific change in a product line. When I typically give this presentation in person, I ask the audience, what kind of ways have, have you experienced measuring value in software delivery? The answers I get back are often number of deploys, story balance, burn down, burn downs, burn ups, or customer surveys. The fundamental problem with value is it's hard to quantify and it rarely correlates neatly. It appears in numerous places and means different things to different people, which makes measuring value very, very difficult. The other challenge with software is that unlike in a physical plant, say an automotive plant, where you can sit up in the rafters and see what flows, you can see the chassis being built, you can see the brakes being installed, you can see the steering column being added. How do you do the same exact thing in software delivery where you're working with intangibles? So the first step is to start identifying what flows in our value streams. The flow items as defined in Dr. Kirsten's book, Project to Product, are features, risks, defects, and debts. The great thing about them are that they're mutually exclusive and comprehensively exhaustive. So what that means is that they represent the exhaustive list of all of the things that flow in software delivery. Features are new capabilities that are contributing to new business value, often revenue generation. But if you're in a internal product value stream, it may be measured in different ways other than revenue. Defects are the work that goes on in addressing quality issues, whether that's coming from a customer or from your testing environment. Risks are the work that protects the product and business from vulnerabilities. This is not the risk of missing a deadline, but more around the lines of security, compliance, et cetera. And debt is the work that keeps the value stream capable of delivering new value units in the future. So the goal is to have visibility into the mixture of work that is happening, as well as control and tune the flow in this mixture of work in the spirit of getting a healthy and optimal value stream. Abstracting that one level up from there, you can bucket these items, the features, debts, risks, and defects into two categories, value generation and value protection. Features are almost always in value generation we see debt in both places, but for this exercise, I've put that into value generation because it's enabling the ability to generate value in the future. And then risks and defects generally are viewed as value protection. So what I've just done there is a couple different types of abstractions. There are examples of abstraction. Abstraction is going to be one of the more important techniques used to taking a more pragmatic approach to measuring value flow. Abstraction can be defined as the process of taking disparate but similar objects and mapping them into a common or generalized object for which to focus attention. The reason why abstraction is so important is it is critical to making measurement happen. Without abstraction, you will just be able to optimize locally and not globally. In other words, a team can understand how to improve, but not a whole organization. Abstraction is key, not just the meaningful metrics, but then making portfolio decisions based on those metrics. I'm gonna walk you through a simplified exercise of what we do with our customers to help them abstract 
their, their work items into the various flow items. So normally, again, if I was presenting in person, I would, I would kind of pause everything and say, all right, and do this exercise. Um, because this is a virtual presentation, we're going to take advantage of that. I'm going to ask you um, in a minute or so to pause the presentation and do this exercise. Get a piece of paper, make four columns. At the top of the columns, write down the flow, um, the flow items, essentially the buckets of work, feature, defect, debt, or risk. And then I'm going to have you write down under each of those columns, each of those headers, um, where each of these black circles fit into each bucket. So go ahead and take a couple minutes, do that exercise, and then when you're ready, you can, you can hit play and then we'll walk through and see how you did. Okay, um, so let's start with feature-related work. Um, what work items on this slide map to the feature category? Epic, feature, story, maybe request. Request is really interesting because it could potentially be a defect or a risk item also. So when you do this exercise, and that's why this is a simplified exercise, but when you do this exercise in real, you have to go a little deeper. Maybe it is a, um, uh, the, the subject line of the request. Maybe it's, it's a keyword, maybe it's a, a flag. In, um, in JIRA that determines whether that request goes to being a feature or a defect or a risk. Um, but you can see how the simplified um, abstraction exercise in the real world can get quite complex quickly. Um, moving on to defect, what here would map to a defect? Issues, bugs, tickets, maybe. Um, on the risk classification, you're probably looking at security, vulnerability, compliance. And then finally, on the debt work classification, maybe it's an experiment, maybe it's a code refactor. So essentially, this exercise here um, is one we do always with our customers, and it shows you how to map the various um, um, artifacts into the various buckets. There are other abstractions that we do with our customers as well. For example, um, what states correspond to wait states and what states correspond to active states. Um, super important when you're starting to try to understand your efficiency and where your bottlenecks are. All right, so we've now done the exercise to do some abstraction. You start to understand what your flow items are, and now we're ready to start to learn to improve. Um, in order to improve, you have to be able to measure. So let's get started with some of the key metrics we can use to measure value flow. BSM, as a reminder, is a value stream management is a continuous improvement program. We can't improve what we can't measure. So we talked about what we will measure in the flow items, risk, defects, debt, and features. Now we need to determine what we're going to measure. So I'm gonna walk you through a couple of the flow metrics um, and in the, in the interest of time, I'm going to skip flow load and flow velocity. But if you want to learn more about any of these things, uh, you can do a search for flow metrics. There's going to be a slide at the end that also points you to some resources that are available to you. So starting with flow time. Flow time is very simply how long did it take for a work item to get through the value stream? So you can think of this as time to market or end-to-end -end cycle time. With flow time, we can see 
how our time to market is trending. Are we getting any faster? Did that experiment we did translate to shorter flow times? Amazon Web Services, Adrian Cockroft wrote in, a, in his ebook, Cloud for CIOs, that if you're gonna measure one metric and only one metric, flow time or end-to-end -end cycle time is that one metric to measure. If you can get that to improve, it likely means that you're doing a lot of other things right. Flow efficiency answers questions like how much wait time was there for a defect or of another work item. We can use the baseline of flow efficiency in the value stream to generate insights to identify bottlenecks. With flow efficiency, we can get a read on how efficient are we at moving work packages through the pipes and how is that trending? We can better understand how much wait time do we have in the system. Wait states are a waste that we wanna to look to reduce as we address bottlenecks and improve getting work through those pipes. Scarily in a lot of the global 5,000 companies that we work with at TASA, we typically see flow efficiencies in the single digits with 10 to 20 X wait times as active times. I guess the good news there is that there's lots of room for improvement. Flow distribution, which we're gonna really talk about and, and deep dive in an example here shortly, is really to see where our priorities and capacity is focused. To better understand, am I putting the right capacity towards features, risks, defects, or debt? What is the balance of value generation versus value protection work? And what work is getting a priority? And maybe even more important, what work is getting ignored? So we'll dive into that example around flow distribution. So drilling into flow distribution, here we have an example as to why controlling the work type distribution is important. Let's start with the importance of bringing visibility to technical debt. Development teams know that technical debt can accumulate from developing software, but they generally feel powerless when the business keeps prioritizing new features over improving the code base. While of course on the uh, on holding the development teams accountable for good quality. Um, we've all been there where there's this push to market. Um, if we can only get this feature done today, um, we can then get this really large deal. So let's see what happens when these push to markets happen and when you're not paying attention to the balance of type of work that you should be doing. So what almost always happens when you have these push to markets is the, the feature work is prioritized at the cost of everything else. This almost guarantees that technical debt will increase over time. As technical debt increases, quality comes down, which means there's more and more defects being found. As more and more of the development time is being put towards defects um, because of the decrease in quality, that means in a zero-sum game, feature work starts to grind to a halt. This has been written about many, many times. Um, this example I have is a tweet from John Cutler where he talked about in 2015, a reference feature took 15 to 30 days. In 2018, the same class of, of feature took 150 to 300 days, 10X in three years. Why is that? Because of technical debt largely driven from fast track silver bullets Again, all done for the right intentions, right? To drive a success theater, to drive customer acquisition for some reason. 
The good news is there's some examples of how we can start to be intentional with our flow distribution and start to fix this problem if you're in it. Hopefully you don't get quite that far into the problem, but, but we're gonna walk through a couple examples. A year ago, Zoom announced that they were going to pay all of their attention on security and risk work. Um, became absolutely critical. That actually reminded me of the SQL Slammer incident from 2003 um, with Microsoft, where Bill Gates announced um, in his trustworthy computing memo that Microsoft was going to stop all feature work and to focus on technical debt and risk. So um, as they focused on technical debt and risk, well, as you can imagine, the number of debts and the number of risk issues started to drop. Um, as that happened, quality started to improve, which is great, which means there was less time that needed to go into defects. That now allowed for um, a balancing amount of technical debt work and for feature work to start to come up again. Now look, not everyone will turn into the largest software company in the world, but I know if you don't get out of that vicious cycle, you will have no chance. You also have to understand what is the right flow distribution for where you are in your product maturity. Again, as I said, distribution is a zero sum game. What you often see is early days with a new product, the incubation introduction phases, you have to focus a lot more time on feature work or the green, for example. Um, and you have the ability to do so. You don't have as many customers, so there's not many defects being identified. Um, you can really focus on feature work at that point in time. As a product matures, you start to see a more balanced approach um, to flow distribution. And then as a product goes into decline, it gets older in the tooth, it goes into maintenance mode, you see a lot less feature work and you see a lot more work focus on meeting customer needs and defects. It's out there and live, it's being used a lot. You're trying to keep it up and going. That generally means we're addressing a lot of defects. So understanding your flow distribution has to come in the context of what you're trying to accomplish. Um, you know, you would have expected in 2018 when GDPR was such a big thing um, that more time and effort was going into debt. You have to understand your situation. But the important thing about understanding this and conceptualizing this is, for example, if you're in an early stage of your of a, of a product's maturity um, and you suddenly see that a lot of time is going into defect work, it kind of signals it's an early warning detection system. You kind of need to take a look and see what's going on. So that's really what learning to improve is. That was one example. Uh, another example I can talk about is around flow efficiency. Again, flow efficiency is active time and wait times. So it's very, very often correlated to bottlenecks. And the really cool thing is as you start to identify bottlenecks, you can play whack-a-mole. So the important thing here is to find the largest bottleneck. Lean has taught us that if you don't address the largest bottleneck, you often are exasperating that bottleneck if you try to fix the wrong bottleneck. So the key point here is use flow efficiency to figure out what is the largest bottleneck, do something about it, try to make an improvement, and then rerun the metrics and see if your flow efficiency improved. Then if it did, find the next big bottleneck and then rebaseline, fix that and then rebaseline. And in that way, playing whack-a-mole, you can start to see some incredible improvements in efficiency, one or 2% a time. Um, 
ESM is that continuous improvement program. That's how it can be used um, to improve. So baseline your metrics, observe, try to make a change, get that close feedback loop. That's the game here about how to first learn to see and then learn to improve. So again, to summarize here, um, learning to see is identifying what flows in software delivery, abstracting that into classification so that you can start to see across your portfolio. And then learning to improve is measuring the right things end to end, using those measurements to get your baseline, and then starting to improve. One of the key things we see in value stream management and organizations that have success with it is that they have a desire. There is a company goal to improve. Um, ultimately, that learning to see and learning to improve guides an organization to identify, analyze, control, and tune that flow of business value to the customer. Taking this approach, an organization can optimize business value and drive transformation through continuous improvement. So to continue this conversation, you can find me on Twitter at Neil, and you can find me on LinkedIn. Um, there's a couple links here that you can take advantage of where we talk about value stream management at Fastop. Um, there's a project to product website that's after mixed book. And there's flowframework.org, which is um, the framework around it. In that, there's a Flow Institute where you can take courses, learn more about the flow metrics. So thanks for being here. Um, as the slide says, let's get to work, but let's make sure we're getting to work in a smart and data-driven way. Thanks a lot. Appreciate your time. Um, look forward to any conversations that we'll have here shortly.